0: is Michael Price, uh, appearing on behalf of Defendant and Appellant Akello Chaudhry?
1: Now, can you pull that microphone too closer to you? It's very important to me to hear, hear your argument. Can you hear me now? That's better. Okay.
0: Your Honors, this geofence warrant was unconstitutional for three main reasons, each of which puts the good faith exception out of reach. First, location, history. Is your data, your property, like your emails, your photos, your documents, all stored as private content in your Google account. Probable cause is required to search it. But the police did not have probable cause to search Mr. Chotry's location history data. But, you know, just to be clear in terms of the technology here,
2: the district court here, I would say probably I don't know of another case that's done as fine of a job laying out what it is. Uh, it's a concept that's, uh, uh, not familiar to most of us, uh, even if you're technologically savvy. Uh, but how here, and just, if you will, just synopsize just very briefly. I'm, I'm actually not I'm trying to impose on my colleagues time here, but I think it's important for us to know what a
0: geofence warrant is. Certainly, Your Honor. Uh, Geofence Warrant searches the location history data of everybody who has location history. Who does the actual searching? Google is searching at the command of the government. They are being commandeered by the government to conduct this search.
2: This is not the normal search where you get a warrant to search a house and the officers are searching it. This is a warrant to ask Google
0: to do a search. Is that right? That's correct, Your Honor. Okay. They are commandeering Google to search through this data called location history data. And uh, what controls how Google conducts its search? I mean, they
2: have the distance here. As I understand, is was it 17 miles? How,
0: how, what was the location? It's about 17 and a half acres, Your Honor, but acres a radius of 150 meters. So what? What? What does Google search? Is it every
2: phone there information, or was it? A particular group. Of how does, how does how do we know what is searching?
0: So about a third of all Google users have location history enabled. Um, Google, in this case, said it was numerous tens of millions. We now know it's closer to about 592 million people. Um, every time a geofence warrant is run, it forces Google to look at the location history data belonging to each one of those users to see if there is a match. And that's everybody's,
2: would that be like the phones of, let's say, sitting in this courtroom or in our know, office, the judges here, all those are part of this warrant. Is that right? That's
0: correct, Your Honor. Just... Everybody, whether
2: you're in a building or whether you're on the street, everybody's phone is part of that Google search, that initial search, that step one, I guess.
0: That is absolutely correct. In, in statistically
3: well, that, speaking. that's not actually correct, right? Because it's only those that have opted into to the location services, right? It's, as you said, only those who have enabled Google location.
0: It gets a little bit tricky because there are actually three different types of location data that Google collects. We're talking about one specific.
3: But the type you're talking about, what was searched, right? You said it's about a third of the users, right? So those are the ones that have enabled it. Two-thirds have not enabled it, have rejected it. So when, when Judge Wynn says it's everybody's phone, it's only those phones that enabled it. Correct. It is. A- right. And so if, if my phone, um, has not enabled it, if I didn't opt into the service or after I opt in, I opted out of the service, it would not be searching my data.
0: If you never opted in, uh, then you're correct. Uh, if you opted in and didn't delete your data before you turned it off, uh, then you would still but the, uh, the, the, me the,
1: that excuse goal. me. The, the default position is that you haven't opted. You know that you're not that you're not in. If the if the default position was that you, you were um in, unless you opted out, that would be one thing. But the default position is that you're out unless you opted in, and that the, the fact that you have to take an active step to opt in,
0: that cuts against you, doesn't it? I think it actually um, reinforces our argument that this is... (laughs) Okay, tell me how. Sorry? Tell me how that reinforces your argument. um, Because it further indicates that this is user data. It is their property. So just like their emails, photos, documents, everything else that's stored in a Google account, location history is user-generated content in the same way. You don't have to choose to write emails, but if you do,
1: how does this differ, essentially, from a checkpoint where you know the uh, law enforcement collects information or asks for identification and what have you from people who's who are manifestly innocent? their, Their only situation is THAT they happen to be in the vicinity and that argument was was posed that the fact that the the said oh the checkpoint is a dragnet it's um taking in perfectly innocent people and uh, there's a fair argument but the supreme court didn't accept it they said no the checkpoint is is necessary to to do this so I can see some ways in which to distinguish it, but on the basic principle that it is not per se impermissible under the Fourth Amendment to um, um, uh, investigate a little bit on the basis of vicinity, which this is doing. It's investigating on the basis of vicinity, and the checkpoint decisions seem to involve something of the same principle.
0: I understand your honor is speaking about the Lidster case uh, and I would draw a number of distinctions between that case and what happened here. Um first there was a diminished expectation of privacy uh, due to the automobile exception on the road um contrast with somebody's private papers and documents. Um second uh, the search and in, in or the, the the roadblock in Lidster um, was not conducted for general crime control purposes, um, they weren't attempting to uh, identify any particular driver as the suspect in that hit and run. They were voluntarily asking for information and handing out
1: flyers. But, but don't, don't you, um, don't you, you? We've already brought up the point that, that you lose a certain expectation of privacy when you opt in. But I think the Supreme Court said you also may lose a certain measure of privacy when you um, go out in public, and it is important to me, this did not concern an arrest in a home, it did not concern um, uh, surveillance of a backyard, it didn't concerned surveillance of a home, didn't, you know, uh, involve police actions on the curtilage of a home. Um, We were talking about public movements from one place to another, um, not just in the bank, but in the vicinity of the bank. There's a restaurant in the vicinity of the bank and the locational data covers that. But when you move... In public, from place to place, in terms of the Fourth Amendment, don't you give up a certain measure of uh, of privacy that you – the you know, the, the home is your, your castle, but the bank isn't your castle. And don't you
0: give up a certain measure of privacy there? Uh, I think to some extent, yes, um, when you're in public. Somebody can see you walking down the road or see you walking into a bank. But the Supreme Court has said a number of times now that the public space doctrine doesn't guide us when it comes to new technology, when it comes to digital data. It's not just in the public. It's in homes. It's in
2: churches. It's everywhere you go. And it's not as anonymous as it seems because you can identify who it is. You can identify all kinds of information once you do this. This opt-in is a fiction. Because they opt-in, you can't even use Google Maps. you got to opt-in. You can't access your bank. You opt-in, so to speak. Once you opt-in, it doesn't just kick you back out when you finish using that application. It stays on your phone. So one-third clearly have it up there. I submit to you, nearly everybody that uses a phone is going to hit location at some point in time. The question is, do you then opt-out? And 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 when, so when you look at this, this is not one of those situations where you get to check a box. Okay, and it, the phone pops up in front of you. Most people have no clue right now if they look at their phone as to whether location services was on. I submit to anyone right now, look at it, unless you are consciously looking at it and says, is that on? You don't know it's on. And you don't have an idea that now there's a, a net that's been thrown out. And it doesn't just cover folks walking on the street in the public. I'm home on my own phone or, or anybody else's on the phone. Church, they are in church. They're in hospitals. They're everywhere. And it is collecting data Google is collecting. And this other fiction that, well, it's only Google is only going to those who opt in to search of it and can only get those who've done it. The technology that Google has exists, you don't need location on for Google to be able to tell your uh, location. We've had those cases. The cell phone case tells you that. You don't need to actually do it. They actually have the technology to be able to find what's there if you go to that next step. We don't know what extent Google is conducting the searches or what because it, it's Google doing it. And if we want to give up every right and say, why don't we just say everybody, why have a warrant? Why don't you just say, you can just do it, period. If, if you don't need a warrant because there's no particularity. There's no one specific. So have a warrant. Why not just tell the police? Well, just do it anyway. Google sent every information of every individual on planet Earth to the police department. And you don't need to waste time doing a warrant because... What you just described, there's nothing particular. There's no specificity that require, requirement that meets in it. You don't even, uh, you don't even uh, uh, acknowledge that there's a case called Carpenter that has some applicability here. And So we go there with this, I think we just open up the universe. I don't know, I don't know in the court that's done it. Or has it?
0: No circuit court, Your Honor,
2: has blessed a, a geofence. Not that I know of. I don't know. Has it ever been confronted with the issue? This is the first circuit court that is confronted with the issue. So now we're confronted with a situation which the end result, in my opinion, would be you don't need a warrant because you're going because because if we say this, you can qualify that by simply looking at folks. You can see if they got guns. You can see if they got this or whatever. We're going to throw a geofence warrant out, and everybody in Richmond, everybody in Charlottesville, everybody in Raleigh is going to be under this warrant. And I don't care if you're home in a Christmas party, your phone. Which you have no clue as to whether location is on or not because you just use it as GPS to get back and boom, it's on the phone. And so therefore every bit of your information is now out there in the policing. That's a warrant. I don't get it. There's nothing that I know in the fourth amendment ever fit anything like
1: this. So there might suggest that there is particularity because you have to judge particularity in light of the, um, um, Circumstances of the investigation, and here the particularity lies in the crime. It lies in the place that the crime was committed. It lies in the circum in the fact that the area, while it's not immediately centered on the bank, is at least is at least circumscribed. That is the that is the particularity that inheres in this kind of situation um the um the, the, I guess a larger point is you, you have um uh people who are criminal offenders who are lo- using all kinds of sophisticated uh, technological techniques to evade law enforcement and the question I have is um you're going to uh, create an imbalance. In the ability of the the uh, offenders to use the very latest technological tech, uh, the very latest techniques to um evade law enforcement, but law enforcement cannot use and adapt its technology or google's technology to the differing situations that that it that it confronts. And I the um if we reverse this question, we would almost be saying as a per se rule that geofence um warrants were impermissible. And um this was a bank robbery here, and you know, there may be some people that say well Bank robberies are very bad and they're serious, but they're not that serious. What what happens um when you get um someone with a nuclear device or uh someone in possession of a bio, of a biological um uh agent or a chemical agent in a city? And they say, Oh oh well uh um Four Circuit says these geofence um, warrants are impermissible. And your response to me would be, oh, well, you can avail yourself of the emergency doctrine, and the emergency doctrine is an exception to the warrant clause, and we don't need to jump through these ho- hoops if we are dealing um, if, with with an emergency, to which my response to you would be, it would be nice with a geo." Uh, a geofence warrant If it could be helpful As this one obviously was helpful To cut off these kinds of Very nefarious Enterprises um, At the very Outset Before they reach the emergency Stage and law enforcement has to Resort to the emergency Exception to the warrant clause And um So What I'm doing, what I'm concerned about is that we, we could be proscribing a very valuable tool in the hands of law enforcement in very serious situations for which we would all, all kinds of people would pay a devastating price.
0: So, Your Honor, I,
1: I recognize i out of time. No, no, I, I won't. This, is, in, this no. is important, and it's important to get your view of it.
0: So I'd like to be very, very clear on this point. Um, our position is not that law enforcement cannot search location history data. Of course, law enforcement can search location history data, or any other Google data that they would like to search, provided that they establish probable cause to search it and identify the data that they would like to search. And the problem here is that neither of those two things happened. Uh, This warrant was profoundly unparticularized. The police had no idea whose or how many individuals' data would be seized. The particularity of it is the overbreadth of it. Even if you can find this particularity,
2: the court has made it clear, that's two different, you don't collapse particularity with overbreadth in it.
0: And the scope of this thing is unreal. I absolutely agree with you, Your Honor, that there was absolutely no probable cause to justify the search. It was based on nothing more than a series of statistics that could apply in any um, case.
1: The, you say that the only probable cause um, that it must relate to the identification of a particular suspect, and historically, I think that's uh, that's been true, but Probable cause is addressed, um, as I think the Supreme Court has made clear, and the question is, is it reasonable to believe that probable cause exists that the geofence warrant um, would assist materially in the investigation? And you don't have to, and it is almost impossible to identify a suspect for a particular bank robbery in advance. But what the geofence warrant helps you do is it aids in the investigation. And if it, if it, if it, if it, if it, if it does that, I'm not sure why it wouldn't relate, why that wouldn't be
0: probable cause. I, I think, Your Honor, for the same reason, um, if, There's a stolen painting, and you know that the the robber is likely in that big apartment building. You still can't go in and search every apartment. You have to identify which unit uh, you plan to go and search. You know that it will help you,
2: just like if you were to draw a complete line and cordon off a a, 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 a whole city. You can go by and search everybody in there, you're going to find it. If you get an opportunity to search every individual out there within a particular radius, the same level of particularity, same level of of overbreadthness that's in here, you can just do it. Just go in and just search the whole area and this business about trying to get the criminals, do lawful citizens have to give up their rights in your pursuit to what extent to get criminals? Because if you want to do that, you can do what Nazi Germany did. You can simply just go in every house and knock down the door and see if it's in there. If it's not in there, it's okay, it's not in You're not a criminal. You're good. And that's where we're going with this. Eventually, we're getting there With technology is now going beyond what you can do on foot. You are now literally not being on feet with the same thing, walking in every grabbing everybody's phone, said, let me see your phone, and looking at everything on that phone, you're you okay, you're okay, you're okay. And at the end of the day, <laughs> there's no privacy at all. Why not just do it all the time? But I submit to you, contrary to my friend, Judge Wilkinson, we don't have to say that geofence warrants are not, because cannot be used in a way. What we have to say is that they need to be cabin in a way in which you do incorporate the principles of particularity over breath, in which you do have more than just a broad over breath uh, search of a place. I mean, and that can happen. And if you have a nuclear situation, you're going to lose a lot more rights than the Fourth Amendment as citizens around here. That's that's that may be a good example for something. But if there's someone with a nuclear bomb here, there's going to be a lot of rights lost by everybody in this area here. And it's not just going to be the Fourth Amendment because that's a whole national security and national emergency exception that you just can't avoid. So you can use the extreme example. You could have used it in the carpenter case, the same kind of thing. What if you got someone carrying a nuclear bomb around in a car? You know, the same thing. And the Supreme Court took its action in the manner that it did because it realizes the Fourth Amendment has to have some limitations in this increasing world of technology because it's going to get more. It's as much as when you could use heat lamps, uh, uh, uh heat seeking type equipment to look to see if there's heat lamps in the house and that sort of stuff the court has recognized there's gotta be some limit on this technology because there is no privacy and, and if we and if we are going to allow this information used by the police, no individual around here, I don't care if you got a phone, I don't care whatever you have, has any privacy whatsoever. Unless and as the technology unless, develops.
1: Unless of course they choose not to opt in and that's they can preserve their privacy. Well, simple, simple step, but quite apart from that, my friend Judge Wynne um, said that this is all so so new and and this brave new world of technology and all the rest. But the Supreme Court has um, taken care to limit this and to um, ground it in a very traditional basis. And the traditional basis is, in Carpenter, they said, locational data for seven days, that's way too much. All right? This is, as we recognize, locational data for two hours. And why was there that difference between seven days and two hours? Because the two hours was thought to be consistent with traditional police surveillance capabilities. That a police can, su- can supervise or, or tail somebody for two hours. They couldn't do that for seven days. So this is, in, it seems to me very important to recognize what the Supreme Court is doing here which is to look at it in terms of what the, what traditional police surveillance techniques were available and 2 hours versus 7 days links up with traditional police enforcement capabilities but you know i i wish every bit as much as you genuinely do that we lived in a world Of perfect security And perfect privacy We're not We're not going to have both It's not going to be perfect That doesn't mean That you give up all your Privacy rights And it doesn't mean That we can do anything In the name of national security It, It involves a certain amount Of compromise And I don't know How this FBI agent, Officer Hilton, is expected in a question that vigorously divides us both, and probably the good people who are listening, about whether this is valid or not. How is is an FBI agent supposed to know when applying for a geofence warrant that... Whether the law is, whether the two hours versus the seven days in Carpenter makes a difference. Or whether the third party doctrine in Smith and Miller, whereby you use information disclosed to a third party and conveyed by them to government authorities. Has that been overruled? So we've got serious questions here about the timing of localities, the timing of the locational data, the length of the locational data, the status of the third party uh, doctrine and everything. And we're trying to turn this FBI agent into a lawyer that we even can't agree on. What
0: justification is there for doing that? So I I want to respond to Your Honor's uh, question initially about Carpenter, but I'll take the second one first. Go ahead. Um, So geofence warrants may be novel to this court. Um, They're not novel to law enforcement. The first one was in 2016, and Google now says they're about a quarter of all search warrants they receive. Um, But general warrants, warrants that are devoid of probable cause and particularity, like this one, have always been unconstitutional. This is, in our view, a modern-day general warrant, and and that would have been apparent. There are there are no case-specific facts to establish probable cause. What about costs.
2: this opt-in business? I mean, sounds like it's so simple. Why in the world would you walk around with a phone and not just opt out of this? What about this opt-in? I mean, don't use Google Maps. Don't use the phone for what it is. Just opt in, and then once it's there, shoot there. I mean that. Creates a, a, a black and white world that does not exist. There's no, there's no such thing as opting in. You, you, you can probably look at your phone now and see that you have it and don't know you have it. If you were to take, go around and do a survey and say, do you have it on? People wouldn't have a clue. Most of them would not. <laughs> Some would. I do. <laughs> I, I'd be
3: willing to bet at least two of the three up here do. But I want to be calm. I don't know about you, Judge. Uh, um, I'm not certain whether you do or not.
2: <laughs> on this Carpenter case, and I Judge Wilkins has articulated it in, in his view, but it was definitely limited to the facts. It used seven days because that's what was before. Seven days. That's all. And then the court went on to make it clear in Carpenter. I mean it, it, there's a lot of equability here, but you can parse it out and pick and choose facts and laws out of any case and make the case for what you want to. But the end result is, this is not about that officer. All officers face difficult situations. All officers are in danger. We balance this. There's a right under the Constitution that's being dealt with here. And it's not just affecting the criminals. It's affecting everybody, from the person in the church, to the guy on the street, to the one in the hospital, to the one in their homes. And everybody might as well take their phone... When this wallet goes up, sits here. You can just look at his phone. That's literally what is happening. You can look at his phone, see all my data in here. All right, I'm not one. Go to the next one. That's what's happening. It's a blanket. It is a blanket
0: search. I agree with you.
3: I can, can I ask a question, a factual question that that keeps coming up? Um, is there any evidence in the record that you cannot use Google Maps without opting into this program?
0: I think we, we should be
3: clear about this because... Uh, the answer to that is no, right? Of course you can use Google Maps without
0: opting in. You can use Google Maps without opting into location history. That is correct. Um, however, I, I think it, it is important to take a step back here and go to the carpenter you, question. Do we know
2: when a phone is sold to a person that, that location maps is off or is it on? I'm sorry, can you repeat is that? Location, is location services on
0: generally when a phone is sold or is it off? Uh, location services is going to be different than what we're talking about here, which is location. Location history. Is it on? It's not on. Uh, so you have to, you have to actually put location history up there. Yes. Now, how that happens is something of a mystery, even in this case. Um, and it is far from clear that Mr. Chotry knowingly and voluntarily um, activated location history. The, the consent flows are quite deceptive and easy to click on. Um, but that said, I, I want to go back to this Carpenter point because I think it is very, very important. Um, to draw a distinction between the cell site location information in Carpenter and the location history data here. Uh, in Carpenter, you're talking about a company's business records. Um, here, you're talking about somebody's private data in their Google account. It would be as if the government said, hey, can we just search everyone's email for cocaine or write-off or, you know, whatever you want to put in there? It, it's the same principle. You're you're maybe identifying something specific that you would like to search, but you in order to do it, have to go through everybody's private data. It belongs to them in a way that cell site data did not belong to Mr. Carpenter. But that said, the uh, accuracy, the potency of location history is far greater than cell site data. Seven days was all it took in Carpenter. Uh, that was what the, the, what was on the facts before the court. There was no um, period of time less than seven days. Thank you
1: very much, counsel. We have some rebuttal time as well. We we'll look forward to hearing from you then, okay?
0: Thank you, Your Honor.
4: Mr. Kupfer, let's hear from, let's hear your side of it. Uh, may it please the court, I'm Nathan Judish on behalf of the United States. Uh, in our brief, we set forth three bases for this court to affirm the district court's denial of the suppression motion. I'd like to start by talking about the warrant, because the warrant here complies with the Fourth Amendment.
3: Can you start with standing instead? Because we, we spent a, a fair bit of the, the time here talking about uh, whether standing existed. Um, and we, we look at Carpenter and Beautiful Struggle. We come up with, with two different ideas that, like, in order to have standing, it's got to be an extended period of time, which we lack here. Um, but also from, from Carpenter, um, the third-party doctrine applies, unless it is both indispensable and involuntary right and we have neither indispensability I'm not sure that's a word um, or involuntariness here so why why would there be standing at all given the the third party doctrine as carpenter applies it
4: um, that's right, Your Honor. Both both lines of cases—cases of cases involving, you know, location and movement, and cases involving information disclosed to, to others—those are what Carpenter looked at. And both of those here point towards no reasonable expectation of privacy. You know, regarding the the uh, information and, and movement issue. You know, in this case, or this court in the Leaders of Beautiful Struggle case said that Carpenter does distinguish between long-term comprehensive location information and short-term location information of the sort that would have been traditionally available uh, in the pre-digital age. And what we have here, the information we got is merely two hours of the defendant's location information during which he traveled on public roads, robbed a bank and then return. And we have testimony from Agent Derrico that it wasn't even sufficient to determine what house he lived in. Further investigation was required for that. So really this is just information of the sort, which would be traditionally determined by say video camera surveillance of the area of the bank. Um, and, and in
3: in your view, those are those are alternative grounds on which to reach the Fourth Amendment standing issue. Either A um, under what we applied as the Mosaic Theory and Beautiful Struggle, there's insufficient length of data in order to develop patterns and habits, in which case you lack a reasonable expectation of privacy. That's ground right. one yes. of yes. no standing. And ground yes. two of no standing is that independent of that, um, if you voluntarily opt into a program that is not necessary to functioning in life, right? which are the two pieces of carpenter. Then the third party doctrine applies and you lack standing on that ground.
4: That's right, Your Honor. We, those are two independent grounds and we could prevail on either of them. We prevail on both. And, um, you know, regarding, And, and only,
3: only if we rejected your argument on both of those grounds, would we get to, and I want you to get to it, this secondary question about is the warrant's probable cause and particularity sufficient? And only if we reject that do we get to the third line of arguments, which I assume you're going to tell us is good faith.
4: Yes, that's right, Your Honor. And though, I mean, that's sort of the, the logical way to reason through it, but this court can rule on any of those grounds it wants to. It isn't required to, to, to determine any of them. It could rule only yeah, there's on not a, There's not a Co aspect yeah, to, yeah, to Fourth Amendment standing. It's a logical way to think through the issues in this right. case in the sequential way. And then so re- regarding the voluntary disclosure, uh, you know, I would, I would think there are two things here. This court has already focused on the fact that there's this is indisputable an opt-in system. Google does not store your location history unless it first pre- presents to you certain specific language that it calls its consent flow that it tells you, says where you go with your devices, that it will use that location information to provide these services and directs you to online where you can see or delete that data. And you must click, you know, yes, I'm in or, or turn on. So you're
2: saying Google cannot store your location history if you do not opt in. That's absolutely right. Technologically, you believe Google cannot store your location history, even with location services. All. So
4: location history. Is
2: I'm saying Google. I'm not talking about anybody else. Google itself has that phone. You think Google
4: cannot store that history. Even if you don't have location services, the record shows that that's what they do. That's their, That's how their system focuses. I understand how this
2: works, and that's yes. correct in terms of how this happened. This yes. information here is seeking that information, but Google is conducting the search, and I'm only dealing with what Google can do. And in that context, we just talked about Google. Google, yes, that's the that's the front tier. It's easy. Give you that. If you got location services. What I'm asking is, does Google not have, or do you know? Now do we know or, or, or do we have an obligation
4: to determine that they, it can also store this information even if you don't have that service on it? The testimony in the record from Google's location history product manager is that location history is the only information that Google stores which is sufficiently granular to place someone in the described geofence and, that, and so that, that's what Google's testimony is that that's what they have. So, um, so so I, but I, I, I want to make sure if, uh, it's the only one it stood. That was my question.
2: I said, Did it have the technological ability to get information that does not have that service on? That's the question, and you didn't ask that question too. I mean, see, so you see where I'm going with this? I mean, Google's conducting a search. <laughs> they're the one tell it. so they're telling you this is only services with the with the phone on. What we don't know is do you have the ability to get information
4: that's not? just what location services are. We don't know. Um, I, I mean, I think I, I'm not, so, I don't think that Google is performing the search here. I think the search here, as the Supreme Court says in Carpenter, is when the government accesses information from a service provider. I think that what you know, what is done by Google and sort of internal... You think the government gets a warrant and says, Google,
2: give us the data and Google says, okay, here, here's a portal, go get that data. I, I thought Google Provided the the data information as to what
4: searches. I I think the search occurs when the government accesses information that were given by the provider. But
2: it has nothing. it does not access anything. It's access the ability to get Google
4: to give that information to me. Uh, in this case where the government accessed was location one one hour of location information concerning nineteen people who were within a radius of 150 meters of the bank at the time of the robbery. For nine of those people, we obtained a full two hours of their location information, and for three people, we. What actual
1: information, information is turned over by Google to um, law enforcement pursuant to a geofence warrant it's served on Google? What information is 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 turned over in these cases? Is it it's just purely
4: locational data? Um, so the, your honor, in this case the information is so specific that you can see every bit of information we got from Google in about 30 pages of the record. I think it starts at joint appendix 2098 and it'll basically be a line and each one will have a time and date. But so- is
1: there, is, is there information with this to friends and associates or other, uh, other private aspects of the individual's life or who, who they may be dating or what Text messaging there and who they're texting.
4: Absolutely not. In other
1: words, we're not we're not doing a deep dive into someone's personal effects and and into somebody's private affairs. Representing that all that's turned over is locational data.
4: That's right, Your Honor. It's it's latitude and longitude uh, information, and Google has an estimate of how accurate it is for any particular point, whether it comes from how they calculated it, whether it's
1: why is that locational data helpful to you if you you if it's as limited as you.
4: Suggest? Um, well, it's in, in this case, it's you know sufficiently accurate to to uh, put the robber in the vicinity of the bank, and sufficiently accurate to see where he he parked near the bank and to follow him to and from. And so that is what, you know just just looking at that one hour of location information within 150 meters of the robbery was a lot like videotape. And so we could see knowing where the robber parked. We could see whose device it was and um, and that was enough.
1: So it was essential to you in resolving this crime?
4: Oh absolutely. This is an enormously useful technique. Without
1: without the uh without the locational data, the bank robber would still be at large. Um very likely, Your Honor.
2: Which step are you talking about? When you just, just answered Judge Wilkerson's uh, Wilkinson's question in sort of a very cabin
4: way, what did you get? are there there three steps here? So there, so what I described as the first step, but the first step was enough for us to look at the, the, the first step was one hour it of was location information. the first information. step just 19 people? Just 19 people. So you, when you got the data you
2: got, the data that you asked Google to search was just 19 people? Um, the specifically named g- 19 people and that's all it searched.
4: Um I don't so I think the search comes when when the government reviews information. We learn nothing from in Google about anything else about anyone in Google's database. We don't know who has a Google account, who doesn't have a Google account, and the real search occurs when the government reviews the data. And you know, as as in, in this case, it is true that Google you're, has
3: you're using that term like specifically, right? So there might colloquially have been a search that was done by Google, but the Fourth Amendment search First, is what Carpenter and Beautiful Struggle say is when the government accesses the data. That's right, Your Honor. Right. And so while there might yeah. be, I just, I wonder if there's like a miscommunication about the All term. Right. Colloquially, there might be searching that's taking place. But for the Fourth Amendment, the search that matters is only those 19 individuals. Uh, like yes, that's sir. the Fourth Amendment search. Uh,
4: yes, Your Honor. And otherwise it would, would, um, you know, I think internal Provider practices which aren't in any way visible to the government or to, to. But the to warrant
2: itself does not identify individuals or suspects, does it? Uh, no, it doesn't, Your Honor. Um, and what that does way- it do? That's just the data. We keep jumping forth to what you actually get from it. But the data that Google then produces in using location history, how many folks, where's this number 592
4: million come from? What does that mean? I, that, that's not in the record, so I don't know where, where, uh, council got that from. Um, there is, there, there is what a- What are they talking about? You a, have an idea? A, I, I, suspect that's like a total number of Google customers or something, but the number which is in the record is Google has tens of millions, has tens of millions of people or something along What's the line. What's tens of millions? How does that compare with
2: 19 when you first got this warrant? Typically you got a warrant, you can name a number of people, you know who it is. Somehow we've now moved as though that warrant asked for 19 things, and you went after those 19. That's not what happened here, is it? Your, the, I mean, when you started out, you didn't have a, a name. You didn't have a suspect. You wanted some data. And right.
4: then you get this number, tens of millions. Who's the ten of, tens of millions? Um, those are those are people who, I guess, have Google accounts as information we never are got. They included in this data that Google is going to be looking at? Uh, Google did not produce us any information about anyone except the 19. So, I mean, to me, the warrant is really has enormous amount in common with the warrant the Supreme Court approved in Zercher v. Stanford Daily. There, there had been a riot in which police officers were assaulted. And, uh, and law enforcement had information that someone had taken a, or newspaper people had taken photographs of the, of the crime scene. So they had the, so they, the, uh, the Supreme Court held that a warrant for those photographs complied with the Fourth Amendment. There were no specific individuals known or named in that warrant. It was, a, it was that the, the newspaper had crime scene evidence. Well what here. was the request for? Was a request for 19 individuals? Or, were, the, the initial warrant. What did it request? It requested uh, location information for people who whose loca- who, who Google could place within 150 meters of the bank during the hour of the robbery. And there's no 19 in that. There is no 19 in that. That comes later. Um, Basically,
2: you can go out and search everybody. You can do a Knox search on everybody out here. You request
4: that, and then when we find 19, we're going to then say Fourth Amendment right as to the 19. So I think it's, it's Google's. It's like Google's crime scene photographs, basically. And
3: or, or it's similar also to every time we do a, a bank account warrant, right? You do it by the bank account number. And so the bank has to go look through its list of numbers to find the bank account number. We don't identify the person. We just give them a number, right? So that's what all warrants for yes. third party data do. They ask for a specific piece of that yes. information. And that's what the court tells us the search is the information that is given to the government.
2: That's right. And another and a bank story. account number is not a location history, uh-huh. is it? What, I'm sorry? A bank account number is not a location history, is it? No, it's not I mean, your bank account account it's a set of number, numbers, number. right? It's just the number. That's all it is. And you've given it to a bank. And so you kind of know it's in bank. You got an account in that bank and you got the number. We're not talking about that here. We're talking about a megachurch that's down the road. We're talking about This court, we're talking everybody walking out here. Those are the tens of millions, but when you're talking Richmond, you're talking about right here. That's the initial information that's being provided by the office. He didn't ask for 19. He doesn't even know it's 19. I'm I'm pretty sure he didn't know anything. So he's now gathering information, but to do it, you got to do this sweep. It's not a bank account
4: number. It's the people who are in a particular area, and I think in, in, the, in the information that they're looking for, I think is, is the people within 150 meters of the bank really is appropriately linked to this crime because it's going to let them determine who the perpetrators are. It's going to let them determine co-conspirators. There is reason to believe that, that uh, Mr. Chatry might be working with others. He, his, his ransom notes said his boys were outside in the lookout. Is this for
2: a high crime area? Because it sounds like to me, if you classify an area as a high crime area, Why not just do a GO1 sweep and
4: check out what people are doing in there, just, and then once you get it, identify people, proceed. This case has a specific serious crime in a location which is appropriately compared to that crime. You got a couple of murders that happened
2: over there. That's a specific serious crime. uh, You go, every time it happens, a murder happened there, you're going to
4: do a geofence warrant on everybody. Am I right? I mean, if you had that a, that's okay? if you have a, a murder happen and there's reason to believe that Google has... So what does a crime it, have to be? I mean, does it have to be a murder or does it have to be a bank robbery? Has it has to be a felony or a misdemeanor? I, I mean, it's a, it's a, this is a warrant. You need a crime and you need, the probable cause standard is a fair probability. There's
1: no evidence that this parade of horrors and, uh, thorough scrummaging and searching through Every aspect of, a, of an individual's life. There's no evidence that that's taken place. Uh, not at all. And like I say, all well, we've this got information
2: dealing with the high crime areas. All this information going back is and forth, and that being fact. I'm seeing high crime area. <laughs> if you want a geo an area, you do a high crime area. If you want to find stuff, you don't need to be downtown Richmond. You don't need to go into other neighborhoods. If a crime occurs in a so-called high crime area, can you use a geofence warrant to just?
4: Check everybody's stuff out in the whole area. I mean, the, the issue for any warrant is whether you have probable cause in particularity. So um, you would you would need reason to believe that Google has evidence of a crime. What's the difference
2: here? In a high crime area, let's say you've got a whole neighborhood and it's classified as high crime. Here, you've got a bank and you got a robber and you see someone on a cell phone. What's the difference of someone in a high crime area using a cell phone Near somewhere that you there was a murder or there was some other heinous type of fence. I mean, no I, difference. I, in, I, no <laughs> words, in those instances, I'm only asking because if that's the result, that's the result. It may well fit the same pattern that Judge Wilkinson has alluded to here. But I want to know that is that going to be the standard that when those crimes occur in those areas,
4: a geofence warrant is going to happen? I mean, I, I think if you have a, a murder occur and there's reason to believe that the murderer had a cell phone, um, then it's very likely you could do a geofence appropriately tailored to the particular location of that murder. Yes. Number uh, any other crime in which you know someone has a cell phone, geofence one. Um, i, 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 I a lot of this. This is definitely solving a lot of very serious crimes. Yes, you're
2: right, right, I understand. Okay. I just want to know so, the scope of so it. yes. And I don't know. I mean, if and and if it happens in that mega church, and and uh, uh, you know, someone goes in there and have a a crime, you can do one in the church. You can do of every all around the whole thing. Every time a crime,
3: yeah, maybe if the church is in Charleston, you could you you could put
2: it around it. You can use a
4: geofence warrant, and the only indication is you got a cell phone and a crime Mm -hmm. occurred. Is that it? Um, I mean, you need a fair probability that there would be evidence of a crime in order to get a search warrant. I just want to be clear. That that is is an issue. I mean, you know, and certainly. The law law, is business about Fourth Amendment we're discussing. You don't need but two facts. You need a fact of a crime and and a cell phone. You know, there, there are other similar circumstances with modern technology these days. Lots of people have ring doorbell systems which should videotape what's going on in the street in front of their house. If if you know that there was a, a robbery that was caught on on that, then you know that's pretty much sufficient to get probable cause to to get to the scene of that crime as well. So, so yes. Right. So, um, can you give me a can you give me a picture of the
1: legal landscape on this? Um, you've, Notice your brief says that a large number of courts have approved geofence warrants, is that correct? Uh,
4: absolutely, Your Honor. I mean, Google, Google been, says uh, it's it like 10,000 a year. Circuit
1: courts, district
4: what? courts, what's? Um, so, I mean, this is, this is talking about people signing off on issuing the warrants, so I would say a very large the question
2: number. question was, was, any of them
4: circuit courts? No other circuit courts except, I, court I, I, would one, I would say one, I would like to... Any su- of them Supreme Court cases? No Supreme Court but I, I want to go back to the circuit court so question. Are talking district courts or what? to type thing. So, so um, lots. of So, there's a one circuit court of opinion, court appeals opinion of note, which is the James case out of the Eighth the Circuit. Question
1: here is the um, one question here I have is to the applicability of, um, of of Leon. When when the Leon doctrine was first announced, it was to protect the good faith of officers who observe the warrant process rather than. Um, trying to circumvent it with a warrant exception. And I think over time that Leon has uh taken on a um a second function, um which is to um, invite incrementalism um and that is rather than charging in with uh a um a ruling that sweeps uh too too broadly, um, we indicate that it was, you know, this was a good faith application of the uh, warrant clause and good faith affidavit, um, and the rest. Uh, is this an appropriate case for Leon? And can we, could we preserve the values of incrementalism um, by? not actually ruling on the merits of the uh, uh, G, the geofence warrant. I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about the question. I'm just asking you whether uh, uh, an application of Leon, um, we're always worried about the future and uh, say you don't want tomorrow to embarrass you. You don't want to be embarrassed about tomorrow. And um, maybe – the answer is the district court rested on Leon grounds and, um, maybe Leon has an applicability here. Um, and I don't understand Leon to say that, you know, um, any, that, you, that we have to rule or give some up or down verdict on geofence warrants. The Supreme Court in Pearson v. Callahan has has preserved the flexibility of courts of appeals to go for narrow grounds like qualified immunity without ruling on the merits of the underlying question, and 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 uh, this is an area where uh, um, it uh, it can't be presumed that the judges are experts and sometimes when you uh, have technological uh questions with wide implications sometimes it's better to just get your toe wet uh rather than taking a plunge um, so I'm wondering how you feel um, about uh about Leon in these kind of circumstances, whether this is a proper Not. case for the
4: application of it. Yeah, no, I certainly it is entirely appropriate for this court to resolve this case solely on the good faith exception. And this is a, is a case with a new investigative technique. There weren't. that
1: simply questions. a fallback argument on your part? Are you, would you, something
4: you actively embrace or what? Um I, I, I will leave that to discretion of this court on, on, on. You've
3: embraced the, three arguments.
4: You, yes, you, I, I stand with all our arguments, but certainly this court has discretion to simply resolve it based on good faith. And here there was, you know, there was no contrary case law. Um the, 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 the uh, the... Well, maybe, um, I mean, I've,
1: I've, I hope that I'm interpreting my friend and colleague, Judge, Judge Richardson, correctly, but the, um the arguments are that there's a problem here with standing initially. Um when there's a voluntary provision of things to the third party and the other argument is is a is this geofence warrant stand or fall on the merits? And um the third is is Leon and and then Leon um the the if, if we were to reverse this outright and say, you, that, that Officer Hilton even lacked good faith in filing the affidavit and in seeking to serve, uh, uh, Google with a geofence warrant, that's putting an awful lot of burden on officers to be able to know and forecast the, um, um the The legal landscape I mean here this officer was had the carpenter decision, I guess he maybe had some familiarity with that, maybe not, but he knows the difference between seven days and 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 two months and um he knows that 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 there's Smith and Miller and they haven't been overruled, or he he's not going to assume that they're overruled when someone voluntarily provides information to a third party which then turns it over um, to the government and then we have uh, we have the three of us here um whom you might surmise, uh surmise do not um, see the legal question in precisely the same way and yet we are going to put the burden on Officer Hilton to um, uh, unravel legal questions with which we ourselves have legitimate difficulties. Um, and the question is, uh, have we um, transformed police officers and FBI agents uh, from laymen into lawyers? Um, are they supposed to be able to, to have some sort of divining ride that... that um, allows them to discern um, what the Supreme Court and a large body of federal
4: courts do not. I mean, that just, that's a problem there, isn't there? Um, Absolutely, Ron. That's one of the factors that courts have looked to in applying good faith, is is disagreement on a legal issue among the judiciary is a strong indication that you can't expect the officer to
2: help them. If we just say good faith here and don't address the merits. I mean, Pearson Callahan, the Kelly and Pearson case created that same conundrum in Section 1983. You go look at see if on the second prong you don't even get to the constitutional violation prong. Uh, and the same thing is being suggested here. Let's just decide it on good faith. Well, if you keep the officer ignorant on the law by not telling him the first question, good faith is going to last forever. And everything that comes up is going to be good faith, good faith. And while Officer Hilton, all due respect to him, there are training sessions. didn't ask for it. There are opportunities to get, to, to, to understand these warrants, to get different information, different, different information from Google, to, to, to educate themselves on how these warrants work. You know what you do? If you hold good faith, you don't incentivize anybody to do anything. If I was running a police department, I wouldn't run a, a training program or anything on it. I keep them just as ignorant as I could because then the answer will always come back. Well, how, what is he to do? He doesn't know this stuff as though he's living in a vacuum. And yet it's the rights of the citizens that's important here. The focus is not on law enforcement. It is on the rights of citizens guaranteed by the constitution of this country. And when we focus there, as opposed to worrying about how you catch people, as I said, you could use Nazi techniques and you can have the best police state in the world and you probably would reduce crime significantly. But we don't live in that kind of a world. So I you know, while the good faith exception could be the way the district court did it, if it went in that direction, might be proper. It actually decided the constitutional issue says this is unconstitutional. Then it went to good faith. I Could probably live with that. That makes sense. You've told the answer here. But to just say, presume, or we're too, we don't have enough understanding, and therefore we're gonna be like you, and all of us will not ever understand, so you have good faith, keep doing it. I, that doesn't seem to follow. It has been a good way to do, uh, to handle matters that deal with constitutional rights of ordinary citizens.
1: Of course, time itself provides experience and time itself provides further information and time itself provides a, 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 an accumulation of court decisions and, and evidence as to how the geofence warrants are used in commentary and debate. and In other words, we uh, uh, courts d- can derive advantages from modesty and the um, the, the passage of uh, of of time and you know um when we read the fourth amendment it's important not to overlook the word that the framers put in there unreasonable searches and seizures the word reason is in there and reason suggests a certain compromise um it doesn't suggest absolutism um it, um, it, it suggests balance, suggests compromise, which is the kind of thing we're trying to uh, thread through when we have significant privacy interest on the one hand, but also very grave security interest in the protection of public safety and, and the lives of citizens on the other. There's nothing wrong with a, an approach It gets our toe in the water rather than taking the deep plunge. That's just one of the three reasons why a reversal here might not be the optimal course. There's the standing issue that my colleague has identified, the merits questions and the the plain differentiation from Carpenter is another reason. The Leon Doctrine is the third reason. Um. But you understand the obstacles to just saying, these geofence warrants are total invasions of privacy. Uh, and that, that's a, that's a pretty consequential,
4: a very consequential step, isn't it? Um, absolutely, Your Honor. There's, a, there, these are solving enormous numbers of very serious crimes, and I think there is really, the, I mean, look at the evidence in the record of what we actually get from them. It's remarkably particularized and, you know, it's essentially like another form of, of crime scene video evidence. It's very close to that. And, um, and, you know, we're getting them with warrants supported by probable cause and specifying the data to be seen with particularity. We think it complies with the Fourth Amendment and, uh, we are just court to affirm.
1: Alright, let me, um, you sure? <laughs> you're terrific
2: <laughs>
1: <Good>. <laughs> question all right leslie it's from you in rebuttal sir we I'll try my best not to interrupt you I I, I really I really owe you an apology because you're making a good argument and I shouldn't be interrupting you all over the place go ahead
0: thank you your honors um I want to just start off I think where we sort of ended um, talking about Good faith. And note that this is not a one-off situation. This is not Detective Hilton's first geofence warrant. In fact, the previous three looked remarkably similar, um, in that they, they basically had the same terms and were also devoid of any facts relating to those crimes at hand. Um, it is, I think, also important to point out that those same warrants, um, also left out very important information about how these geofence works, um, how many people get searched, um and and the nature of that uh, that search and seizure and i think that is also uh part of a larger practice here this court is familiar uh, at least from the andrews case with uh, the use of new technology and the tendency for law enforcement to be less than forthcoming with courts about what's actually going on here and that three-step process which the government now sort of disclaims uh speaks to that um to that tendency to uh, omit information that is relevant to the determination of probable cause in particularity. And for that reason, um, I I do think deterrence here is warranted. Um, Second, I want to go back to this point about opting in. Um, The screens there told Mr. Chotry that it's going to create a private map and and save where he goes. Um, There was no information in there about it saving his location history 240 times a day, even when he's asleep or in the shower. Um, There was nothing in there to say uh, that the data won't go away if you turn it off. Um, The uh, consent flow, what we're talking about here as evidence of of voluntarily participating, in this is extraordinarily weak, and the evidence that is there seems to indicate to a normal user that this is going to be private. Um, Google, in fact, does not share this information with advertisers in terms of individualized data. Um, Google creates advertising, but advertisers never see uh, individual location history data, and that is not something that Google ever creates. Um, in fact, Google did not have a ready-made list of people within 150 meters of the bank when the government came asking. They had to create that data. They had to search their records and created it. It wasn't just asking for a file that they have in the file cabinet. Um, I, I think it's also important to talk about the discretion here in steps two and three. We've focused a lot on step one, but the district court here was very clear that the warrant gave police unbridled discretion to search those 19 people at will to decide which of them to go get more information about, see where they came from, see where they went to, to de-anonymize them at the end of this process. Um, All of that was left explicitly up to the police, and that is a textbook example of an unparticularized warrant. Um, The technology may be new here, but the Fourth Amendment requires particularity, and as in grow, any officer who relies on a warrant that plainly violates that commandment uh, should not receive the benefit of good faith. Um, Finally, we're talking about uh, the length of time, and I want to go back to the leaders case because I I feel like that is fairly analogous in some ways in terms of the time here. Um, Leaders involved 45 days of aerial surveillance, but the snippets that law enforcement received when there was a crime that occurred were a matter of a few hours, about the same amount of time we're talking about here. And what the court found significant in leaders was this idea that the police can go back to this repository of data that is always there, uh, giving them a previously unknown power as, as if, uh, you know, they had a time machine or could go back and track everybody retroactively. So uh, it's that ability to go back and remove the relevant snippet of time uh, that was concerning to the court and leaders, and I think the same sort of analysis applies here. Thank you very much, counsel. Thank you, Your Honor.